This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, a pair of indoor-outdoor cats who brought a bird in as a present for me this morning, Nick White. Uh, you're welcome. And Kate Scotchless. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> Listen, I, I love that you guys are, you know, very independent pets, because uh, that's how that's what you are to me. You guys are just my pets. Uh <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, no, uh, I'm joined here to with, with Kate and Nick to talk about comics today. I'm so very excited. Um, one thing I do want to say, there's only about three weeks left to get caught up with the Goodreads Reading Challenge. We have a wonderful myriad of books. I think if you really wanted to and you were starting today, you could get caught up and then you could help us pick what the book for the first book of the year is for next year. We do a whole get together where all the people who finish the reading challenge sit down and pick a book that's going to be uh, the first book that we read in 2022. So make sure you get on that. If you've already started and you need to catch up, start reading. I know I'm six books behind, so I think I'm going to be plowing through a lot of honestly very very incredible comic books like everything that's on the list this year is amazing so i'm very excited to finish up the ones that i haven't read yet um so everyone should go do that check it out at uh on goodreads.com just search for i read comic books or check the link in uh in the show notes but let's talk about comic books let's get right into things i've got two questions that i have to ask which is how have you been how have comic books been let's start with uk i'm sorry i made it weird (laughs) um i am okay i do have that armadillos keep digging song from tiktok stuck in my head on repeat and i'm going slowly insane uh but other than that things are good uh comics also good so once upon a time i said on this show that i was going to read witches of brooklyn sure enough i did Mm -hmm. i did read Mm -hmm. that comic uh, this is a middle grade OGN by Sophie Escaves. Mm. Sorry if I butchered that. Uh, but it's we'll book one in the series by the same name. Honestly, I was pretty meh about it. I really liked some of the um, cool like house diagrams she did of the aunt's house with their like witchy workshop and stuff like that. But overall, the story was like pretty underwhelming and overly simplistic, even for a middle mm-hmm. grade book. So the main character, Effie... Like it starts by her being dropped off like in the middle of the night um, by a caseworker and she just like instantly is accepted by the aunts who have never met her as in- and didn't like know that they were going to be her guardians. She instantly accepts them and as like loving caretakers and has like no behavioral issues uh, despite, you know, the obvious trauma. And then she goes to school. Again, instantly makes two great best friends at school. Uh, no trouble adjusting there either. It, like it's so like the whole first part, third of the book is like that stuff, and I'm, you're just like uh, okay, um, and so it didn't really like draw you in so much. Okay, and she like doesn't. I I expected from the plot on the back that there would be like kind of a gradual unraveling of the mystery of her discovering her ants are witches. Mm-hmm. But there's not. That's, again, just, like, very quick, very, like, instant and all that. So the the only part that was um, more engaging was the pop star storyline where the basically the Hannah Montana, Taylor Swift, whoever your, like, uh, teen <laughs> idol is, or tween, <laughs> tween idol at this point, she shows up on the aunt's doorstep uh, desperate for a cure because her face has been turned just beat red and nothing will get rid of it and so she they are set up as like homeopathic healers basically in that that's how they peddle Uh their witchcraft wares and (laughs) so (laughs) this like her favorite pop star falls into her lap and is living at her house right so that's a little more interesting in that like they don't know how to fix her right away like the first thing they try doesn't work but I think it could have been so much more interesting if they actually couldn't fix her. And instead, the resolution of the story was that this really shallow, looks obsessed, like snobby pop star learns to accept herself and her flaws and like proudly perform anyway. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But spoiler, that isn't what happens. I won't go into what does. Uh, there's a little bit of cool stuff, but like mostly it's just like eventually uh, there's that that problem resolves itself. So okay. that said, I'd still pass this to like a nine or 10 year old. Cause it's basically tween wish fulfillment fiction where like mm-hmm. you get to move in this super cool house with secret rooms and passageways and you find out you're a witch and they're 
instantly love you and are like the coolest parents ever and they're witches and then your favorite pop star falls into your lap and you you have like these in- yeah it is just wish fulfillment for 10 year olds i mean i read harry potter like <laughs> yeah exactly it's like that but with so much less nuance right uh right. so well, probably a lot less transphobia too uh, you know ultimately yeah yeah <laughs> this is a series i don't plan on reading the next one i think um Mm -hmm. there are other things that i'd i'd rather pick up and spend time on um than this but overall like the art's cute it and like well done it doesn't i think like if i was if i was gifting comics to a like sixth grade girl this would probably Mm -hmm. be on that list but short of that for adult listeners i think this is a skip Gotcha. I mean, sometimes it's okay to leave the middle grade books to, to the, middle, the middle. Yeah, grade exactly. <laughs> exactly. We've been spoiled by Raina Telgemeier and so many exactly. others. And I right. will also say middle grade is not all the same age demographic, right? Like some middle grade mm-hmm. books are written for 12 year olds and are much more complex um, and interesting than some that are really focused probably more towards like the eight or nine. You know what I mean? So. Right. Right. Well, that sounds interesting. I mean, I worry, though. Kate for you because I feel like you've only been reading witch comics the last couple times you've been on the show <laughs> I hope that the, I hope that you have something other than witch comics on the table for the upcoming holiday seasons or at least winter time oh boy well I think Uh-oh. we should move on to uh, Nick Nick how's Nick doing uh, Nick you should talk Nick how have you been how have comic books been well I mean after Kate's review I uh, I'm canceling uh, my pre-order of the book sequel uh, werewolves of London <laughs> I suppose <laughs> so I suppose that's what it would have to be so yeah things have been okay uh, West Michigan weather watch would be that we're sort of at that point now where it's part winter part fall last week we had snow um we had hail hail up to about pea size so that was fun smaller hail temperatures down into the 30s um definitely loving it Mm -hmm. can't get enough of it some days you're worried about ice on the front porch that's always that's always a good moment like in michigan when you start to realize you're at that point where the like the porch is starting to ice over but you can't really tell that it's iced over um <laughs> sounds like you have a history it's with, a re- with some <laughs> slipping. this is just coming from someone who did you know thoroughly fracture their ankle uh quite a few you know like 10 years ago i, uh, oh, I did okay. that on okay. icy steps so get you yeah two out of three michiganders shattered I their ankles falling, on but i did it falling down a bus in front of the large window uh that all of my coworkers were looking out of and saw me do it so that was um Aww. yeah and uh <laughs> I mean, I mean, we won't get into massive story time. It was it was it was a fun moment. I uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that I really didn't want to lose my coffee that morning. And I just held on to it instead of trying to grab the guardrail and instead uh, burned my hand. And uh, did this happen to adult Nick, Danny? Um, This was about 10 years ago. So it was definitely dumber Nick, but still definitely an adult. Right. Right. I mean, he was drinking coffee. Children aren't supposed to be drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah, they ID you if you if you you know if you yeah. order anything other than those uh you know sugary drinks at uh, Starbucks. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've I've been doing some reading. Uh, I've been doing some reading that will probably require me to butcher several names here, but uh, we'll try. The book is called Oishinbo a la Carte, Volume One, uh, Japanese Cuisine. Uh, it's written by Tetsu Korea and drawn by Akira Hanasaki. This was published by Viz in America. It's a Japanese cooking manga that was an ongoing series from 83 to 2014. Aside from like, Jeez. yeah, aside from one small like half year hiatus in 08 when they switched publishers. Um, it's the 10th best selling manga series in history. I think that's uh, Japanese sales exclusively. Uh, It sold Mm -hmm. more than 135 million copies of their 111. Is that word Tankoban? Yep. Tankoban? Okay. Uh, Won the 86 Shogakukan? Yeah. Manga Award for being the best sign-in general manga. It turned into an anime series. It also had a live-action film. 
It's currently on sale on Comixology for anyone who's interested. Hmm. The book follows Shiro Yamoka. He's a 27-year-old journalist for the Tozai News. And his bosses, uh, he works in the art and culture department of this newspaper. uh, And his bosses have decided that for the 100th anniversary of their newspaper, that they're going to come up with the quote-unquote ultimate menu of like the pinnacle of Japanese cuisine. And he's put in charge of this, and he really doesn't want to do it. He's sort of one of these characters. We've seen them all the time that they're like, oh, like they're secretly really, really smart. They're really knowledgeable about like a certain topic. He knows a lot about like cuisine and and cooking Mm -hmm. because he grew up in this household with this really strict father. And his father owns this like really super elite like dining club called the Gourmet Club. And they're like super exclusive and nobody just gets let in. And if you screw one thing up, they fire like the whole kitchen crew. You know, it's all of that like very extreme dramatic stuff. And of course, this book gets like super extreme and you realize that he like hates his father and they don't get along because like his mom was always the one who cooked at home and his dad was like hypercritical and he would you know, send the dishes back if he hated them. And it's insinuated that like he was so critical of Shiro's mom that like she died from like this trauma of like the dad being. Yeah. Right. It's like, Uh, okay. Like what the hell? Right. Like I, again, I'm only on volume one. I'm having to like parse this a little bit, but that's what it sounds like. I did a little bit of Google searching. There's 111 volumes yeah. in this series. Yeah. Are you ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty great, right? Because like he's on this assignment and his dad finds out that he's doing this assignment. And so his dad teams up with like the rival newspaper and they're going to do their ultimate cuisine menu or whatever. What? (laughs) Right? Like, surprise, right? Exactly. You are selling me very hard on this book. This sounds incredible. (laughs) Oh, my God. And, like, for me, this is, like, that sweet spot of manga where you're going to learn some things, but you're not going to learn so much stuff that you're going to, like, be bored. And you're going to, there's Mm going to be some drama, but maybe it kind of takes a backseat to the fact that it's kind of like an instructional book. And I wrote in my notes here, I just want to make sure I get this right. Uh, I wrote, I just love manga that's like, quote, all caps. Hey, are you ready to care devoutly and unconditionally about this hyper niche topic that will hopefully not prove to be problematic halfway through this volume? And of course, my answer is yes. Um, (laughs) So everyone needs to go read Oshinbo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you just get caught up in this adventure. His, like, friend from America comes who wants to get a cooking apprenticeship. And he calls out this guy's water-chilled sea birch sashimi for being no good. And he's like, we're going to have a showdown in a week. And we're going to see who can make the best water-chilled sea perch sashimi. Thank God I wrote that down because I definitely <laughs> was not going to remember that phrase. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, Shiro's like, yeah, I guess I know a guy could who could help you. And, like, it's got this Yoda mentor thing. And they go to this guy. And he's like, you won't know how to master a kitchen knife until you can perfectly cut a three-meter strip of daikon radish without any cuts or abrasions in it and then you will be ready and it goes into like a training (laughs) montage of him learning how to do it and of course collapsing exhausted with the radish in his hand and the master coming upon him exhausted and picking up the radish and being like i guess you are ready now and Um, quick question (laughs) quick question What even is manga? Like, honestly. Right. <laughs> what like... isn't manga? And that's exactly yeah, why that's, it's perfect. Yeah. This is this is how we get Nick hooked. Is like, we just throw him the most bizarre out there shit. And he goes, huh, something's interesting. And then in two years, he's going to be caught up with One Piece and reading My Hero Academia <laughs> with me. I cannot yeah. wait. Like, the, like, there's just a level of hyper investment. And they're showing you with all these, like, perfect diagrams and pictures of 
like, oh, if you cut the fish like this, then the cells don't oxidize and the flavors retained. And I'm like, yes, this is important. And I only read started reading this book 20 minutes ago, but I agree with you completely. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like when you watch the Great British Bake Off yeah. and then suddenly you're an expert. You're an expert on- in seven minutes and you're like, yeah, yes. that cookie is shit. Yes, exactly. exactly. Meanwhile, you're like eating Oreos and you're like, this is my qualifications. Yes. <laughs> I am an expert. Yeah, so really enjoying that god willing it doesn't become problematic in some way we'll see and then i'll briefly just say i also read the 16th volume of tmnt uh chasing phantoms that's the story by kevin eastman bobby cornow tom waltz waltz is the only one scripting though art by dave wachter and mateus santaluoco uh santaluoco only doing the final chapter of the volume the christmas issue and uh i mean all i'll say here is uh uh, you know, sometimes when you resume a series you haven't read for a year and a half, maybe you should do your research because you won't retain any of it. <laughs> Here we are. Um, <laughs> I don't know if how much you rehearsed that or if that was off the top of your head, but uh, I'm, I'm clapping. I'm applauding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I was both amazed that there was so much stuff that I was like, oh my God, I forgot how involved this book was and how many freaking characters there were. But maybe it was just a testament to the book. After like two or three issues, I was like, oh, I remember all of these people. So it's a great series. I can't recommend that enough. There's a volume where Shredder's in hell. So that's hell a yeah. thing, if anything else. And yeah. What about you, Mike? What have you been reading? Uh, Well, I have been... I honestly, I feel like this past week... I've been so weirdly busy with with everything in the world that's not comics that I haven't really had a chance to read much. Um, mostly, I just look at my spreadsheet of comics and I'm like, one comic here, a volume there, and it's just not enough. I was reading daily for a couple of weeks there, and it was really cool. So yeah, I uh, I fell behind on a lot of stuff. I haven't read any most of the comics that came out the last week or two, um, but I did sit down to read Kaiju number eight, chapters forty eight and forty nine. Uh, I think there's another chapter after that I might have missed, but nonetheless, all I have to say is uh, this series is by uh, Naoya. Uh, Matsumoto, uh, and I have to ask the question, is this the coolest Shonen Jump book that you can be reading right now? Because I think that the answer is absolutely yes it is action-packed it is full of really cool characters it's very well developed everybody all does nothing feels hokey nothing feels out of left field I mean the the summary of this series is Japan is regularly attacked by kaiju and so the the country forms this thing called the defense force uh they include fighters tacticians cleanup crews kind of everything that you would expect out of a giant military force in a kaiju battling um world and so after their hometown is destroyed by kaiju when they were kids kafka habino and mina ashiro vow to help stop kaiju by joining the japanese defense force mina becomes this fearless captain kafka becomes a member of the cleanup crew and they're on opposite ends of the spectrum of like respect and level of technique and you know what they're good at and everything like that to the point where mina is like i'm not going to talk to you um, or kafka decides i'm not going to talk to her until i actually in the defense force and fighting um kaiju okay so after a freak attack by a kaiju kafka gains powers from this random kaiju it like joins itself inside of his body and he takes on the appearance of a, a small kaiju but he can turn it on and off and he doesn't understand what it is and only one other person knows about it long story short he ends up being a member of the fight a member fighting on the side of the defense force and we meet a ton of really cool side characters as he joins this force of defense heroes um we meet like the greatest fighter in the entire military force and we you know kafka is trying to constantly build his confidence up so that he can properly talk to mina who he's been desperately wanting to just help and be alongside of while they're killing kaiju and the last probably i don't know dozen chapters have just been like non-stop really well developed really well put together action um we get to see some backstories of different characters and we meet like i said like the best person in the defense force because there's always that person and little bits and pieces of this story keep unraveling it's i i am like the more I think about this series, the more I'm like, this this is probably one of the best like stories coming out of Shonen Jump right now. As as someone who maybe doesn't read everything in the Shonen Jump book, like I get it, but this this series is consistently good. The chapters read really quickly, but like they're very well designed and 
uh, Matsumoto is just incredible, like from beginning to end. This is and it's an interesting series because it comes out like three weeks on, one week off, and it comes out on Thursdays instead of Sundays if you have the Shonen Jump app. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is like again probably one of the best consistently good stories coming out of Shonen Jump every week. Is this um, a relatively new series or how? Yeah, it's only it's only about fifty chapters in. So like, if you wanted to jump into the Shonen Jump app and get caught up, you can. I think there's four volumes out of the series that have been published in English. And uh, yeah, Danny in the chat is saying uh, the antagonists are also very well developed. Like there is this question of are Kaiju just mindless beings attacking or is there something more going on? Mm. Over 50 chapters, we've gotten a lot of answers and we've gotten way more questions. Or there's way more questions. And I think it's really, really good. The more I talk about this, the more I'm like, I'm buying the volumes of this series. I'm going to get these on my shelf because it's so good. Well, the art looks great. And... I mean, that's that that looks fantastic. Are these kaiju just to, you know, not to delve into the story too much, but I'm curious, like, is it, do they typically bestow powers at all? Or is this sort of that shonen jump, oh. like, oh, you are the unique individual and you are the only one? Is this a known thing? I'm just curious. Oh, there's, there's like, there are these suits that everybody wears that maximize your potential, right? And some people can only it's do like- a three-piece suit, go on. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a whole thing. And- so like there's power levels of all the various people and the percentage of, of how much power are. you can you use. You are only level like, seven. I have learned exactly. the shadow strike skill. I yeah exactly. <laughs> you have been reading manga. Look at you. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and there's more. You know, there's a lot of typical shonen stuff in that regard of just like power levels yeah. and people with different levels and all that <laughs> right. kind of stuff. And the older you are, like the more weathered and powerful you can be. Um, but it doesn't. It's not necessarily one to one. Some things are very are very like unpredictable. Some things are very. Predictable. Predictable. Um, and as far as like, can you get powers from kaiju? Like yeah. that's a that's a whole thing you should read the series to find out because there's a lot of questions about why is Kafka so special and what 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 did he do? What other what are other people done? And yeah, I w- I don't want to spoil it because it's all really really good. Anyways, so um, I will say the other book that I read recently was um, Agito Cosmos Volume 1. This is by Oliver Milhoud uh, and Fabian Mense. I read this for an, a book club that I'm in with some folks at work. And uh, I was really stunned by how fun this book was. It's like 87 or 90 pages long, originally published in French, translated, re- um, I think, a couple of years ago into English. Uh, it's a story about crime and exploration and fate and magic and science and so much more. For 87 pages, like I said, this book manages to cover so many like sprouts of stories, so many different pieces and scenes that are the beginning of what feels like a much bigger story. And we get to kind of see the first beat of all of these stories kind of play out. There is a a team of people who are exploring an underground set of caverns trying to find some special material. Um, there is a, a group of people that live out in a village who have this ceremony where you're supposed to dive into the ocean when the tide rolls back in order to find a special shell. There is a detective who feels like Lupin the Third, who's stopping crime bosses in the middle of this giant city. And by the end of the first volume, you see all of these storylines starting to just slowly coalesce together um, where everybody might meet each other and or or they're going to at least be in the same place potentially. And uh, that's the end of the first volume. And I will say the most unfortunate part of the series is only one volume has been translated and the company that translated it doesn't seem to have any major plans, at least in the near future, to translate the subsequent two volumes that are out in French. Now, this is a French comic. And so they, you know, one volume comes out like every year or two or three because art is done a little bit differently over there. But I will say like this was worth every penny that I spent on it. Um, You can't get it digitally in English, unfortunately, but I did manage to get a physical copy and it is stunning. All of the art is absolutely beautiful it's it's cartoony it's dynamic it feels very lighthearted and severely inspired by things like one piece or Lupin the third even alien in some places um just with like kind of the scientific side of the story and the the very condensed spaces that are shown off um but it all feels just very i don't know well to put together and it doesn't feel like it's trying to be smarter than it actually is i I feel like a lot of french comics you know try to try to put on this air of like this is what is therefore well and it's it's like this this question of like this is art and this is supposed to be more than just the you know the story on the page and while i totally understand that sometimes you just need a good like little action book and that's exactly what this is um i think like there are some french comics that are even like action kind of straightforward stories and they still spend a lot of time like 
showing just like a couple of pages of like scenery and stuff to be like, look at my skills. And I don't think that's anyone trying to brag. Sometimes as an artist, you probably just want to do something like that. But with a, with a short little story like um, Agito Cosmos, like you definitely just feel like they were, let's put the pedal to the metal. Let's get this story out. Let's drive to the finish line as quickly as possible, but in a way that gets the reader really, really excited. And this book absolutely nails that. And I freaking love it. And I'm so mad that there are not more volumes to read. Yeah, so when we talked about it in my book club, they were just like, well, the woman who recommended it, she was like, well, I own all the French editions. I own all the English editions. <laughs> you know, like I own everything that I can for this series. I'm just hoping for the next volume. And she's like learned a little bit of French to try to read it. And she's used like Google Translate on her phone to like go through the uh, book. I was going to say, like, just go through with your phone and just like yeah, use Google yeah. Lens to like automatically like convert <laughs> each page and then... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's it's really, really good. If you can get your hands on it, I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful little tiny book. Um, and I think it's really worth the money. Like I I think, you know, it's unfortunate to not have the whole story, but to get it in print and hold on to it, it's like a really, really nice little book. And yeah, so that's that's it. The, the last thing I'll say is there are these two Kickstarters that I'm going to drop in the show notes. Uh, one is for Monkey and Peach issue two, which you can get volume issue one if you want as part of the Kickstarter. Looks like a beautiful, beautiful book uh, by David Chun. I, I came across this on my forever Kickstarter. Like I'm always backing Kickstarters. Um, and I just was blown away by the art that was previewed in this um, looks like a fun little story. Um, lots of magic and, and cool stuff. Uh, and the other book I do want to plug is foul brood number one and two by Christopher Sabela and Claire Rowe. Chris Sabela, you may know from vaults test. You may know from Shanghai red. He's done a ton of different books. We had him on the show at one point. And yeah, this is a story about crime and bees. And I was sold immediately. <laughs> um, by that. So yeah, this, this looks really, really cool. Um, the, the highlight that they put on the, on the site is beekeeping is a cutthroat industry (laughs) i was gonna ask are are are, is is the beekeeping the criminal action or are the bees themselves criminal um we'll see i think you've got to read the series to to check it out but i i'm looking forward to both of those i backed both of those on kickstarter i'm recommending those no one asked me to plug those i just figured i should share share the wealth because i come across a lot of really good stuff that i don't think enough people check out so Anyways, let's move on. Let's talk about comics that are coming out soon or comics that you're reading very soon. Uh, What's on the top of your pile this week? Let's start with you, Kate. Uh, Well, definitely not witches. Um, (laughs) So uh, it's seasonally appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I I want to read, um, and I have on hold at the library, The Midwinter Witch, which is... (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, so just bad. own this, right? You might as yeah. well own this. This is yeah. um, book three in the Witch Boy series by Molly Knox Osterstag. Mm-hmm. And I did purposely hold off on reading it uh, because I wanted to read it in December. Um, although I'll probably, depending on when it comes in on hold, it started a little before. But like like Nick said, we're starting to get like actual snow some days. So I, I it counts. Yeah, um, yeah. So the Vanessen family is holding a reunion for the Midwinter Festival, which they do every year with like competitions and witchery and shape-shifting and like as a reminder, or if you haven't read this, in this world, um, women are witches and men are shapeshifters. And in book one, we have Aster, who is male, pushing for being able to practice witchcraft, even though he's male and it it's a book largely about gender norms and pushing back on that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so aster is excited to compete as a witch this year and like basically prove to everyone what a good witch he is um and make them proud and kind of like prove himself and his gender identity and uh skills and everything and meanwhile ariel who is a character we meet in the second um book is being visited in her dreams by like this creepy old witch who's claiming to know the truth about her past, um, which she doesn't know she's uh, in, has been in foster care and stuff like that. And so this kind of culminates into a situation in which there's like this powerful sinister force, of course, that invades the reunion and threatens to destroy everything. Big drama. And Aster and Ariel have to figure out if they're going to fight fight it together or let this dark magic tear them apart. Is it middle grade? Yes. Am I comforted <laughs> going into it knowing that it will 
almost certainly have a happy outcome. Absolutely. This is, listen, mm-hmm. our COVID is, numbers are worse than they've ever been in my county in the entire pandemic. I am not number going one. into books number in which things, one. bad number things, yeah, exactly, in which bad things might happen. I can't take it yeah. right now. <laughs> totally understandable. They said we couldn't do it. Look at us now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, good. I, you know, okay. I, I realize I, I was joking about the whole business. <laughs> no, I, just I, I like sincerely that. just really like witches as like yeah, a thing. Yeah. I mean, part of it is also that I just gravitate towards fantasy in general as my like genre of choice, which means oh, sure. in this uh, our day and age of witches everywhere, because that's the new mm-hmm. werewolf when the werewolf was the new vampire. I mean, it is very much just a <laughs> trend. The vampire right was now. the new zombie. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So witches are just a thing at the moment. Um, but well, this Witch Boy series, though, sounds really good. I think you and a couple of other people, like Kate and it some folks solid. on our Discord, yeah. They, yeah, you guys have been talking about it. I really, really need to get on this. I think that should be my my push for this, this end of the so year. It is so popular that your library absolutely will have it. Yeah. Well, maybe well, I'll try to give it on. <laughs> well, yeah, you will have to fist fight a nine-year-old, but... Um, <laughs> get ready to be on a 15 you know 15 name hold list michael it's yeah great. there right, is right. a non-zero chance that i read this in february because uh the hold doesn't come in for so long but yeah yeah <laughs> well nick nick what about you what are what are what's uh on the top of your pile well look of course last week i complained about marvel taking forever to roll out the trades for war of the bounty hunters Mm-hmm. I said it's been forever. I hope that they're taking their time and compiling these appropriately because of all the complicated nature of this big event that they're going to compile mm-hmm. things in a way that would be helpful. Uh, so, of course, they decide to shame me and embarrass me in front of my peers right. and rolled out <laughs> the books this week. They thought, I mean, right. well, not this week on Wednesday, the upcoming Wednesday. Oh, I did get on the phone with Akira yeah. um, and he was like, he was like, Mike, uh, you know, I know that I'm uh, I'm, I'm in the crosshairs. And, you know, yeah. Um. And but you know, I'll do this one salad for you guys. And we're like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, could you, you know, um, admit that you did a wrong thing by claiming to be a curious shit? He said, absolutely not. And then he hung up the phone. He said, I'll get those trades to you. So, anyways, yeah, yeah, good, good to know. So, so of course, they're rolling out trades this week, but they're only rolling out trades for the event book, where the bounty hunters and the companion volume, which is the one shots. So if you were hoping that this would be the moment where you could actually start reading War of the Bounty Hunters, you're not there yet because they haven't rolled out the trade for the Star Wars issues and they haven't rolled out the trade for the Vader issues. And that won't happen until the end of December. So if you go and get these trades right now and you want to actually read things continuously, you're going to be waiting about another month, maybe a little bit more than a little month. So that's just, you know, heads up. I discovered it, so I want to pass that along. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is why the thing I'm excited for this week is the fact that I found that all of Greg Rucka's Stumptown is actually on Comixology Unlimited. Obviously, I'm a huge Greg Ruck fan. Everything from Black Magic to Lazarus, I've pretty much loved all of it. And I haven't read any of Stumptown previously. I never watched the TV show, which came out in like 2019. Had Kobe Smulders and like Jake Johnson, pretty high profile names attached. Mm-hmm. I think there's, it's kind of blurry, but I know there's some rumors that COVID kind of had some stuff to do with it being canceled, I guess. Sure, sure. But obviously we're talking about the comic. So we got Rucka, Matthew uh, Southworth drew the first two volumes. Justin Greenwood, who I do know and is absolutely fantastic, uh, drew the third and fourth. Follow, we follow a detective, Dex Parios, in Portland. I hear it's a very, very Portland book, for right. whatever that means. And yeah, you know, more Greg Rucka in my life is something I'm not really going to complain about. So pretty excited to get started on those. Yeah, that's that's been on my to read list for a long time. Between that and Queen and Country, I'm like, yeah, what am I doing with my time? Right, like I just need to fucking read all these Greg Rucka books. <laughs> Queen and Country is freaking solid. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I've heard great things about both of these series. <sighs> come on, Mike. Yeah, yeah, Get yeah. It together. Come on, the list grows only more. So, what about <laughs> yeah. you? Um, well, uh, before I get into my picks, I do want to shout out our buddy Danny, who's hanging out with us in the chat. Their pick is Hulk number one, uh, you know, the Donnie Cates, Ryan Otley joint that I refuse to read. Uh-oh, um, uh-oh, drama. Just kidding. I do eventually probably want to read this because I at least want to see what the hell is going on. And I figure I checked out Amazing Spider-Man number one when Ryan Otley was on that. I should at least check out Hulk number one since he's on that. I do love Ryan Otley to death. He will always have a place in my heart after his long wonderful run on invincible 
Um, so I'm I'm curious at least a little bit. <laughs> Danny said he's going to send me a code. Uh, so we'll you know we'll we'll get that figured out. I'll I'll give you guys an update maybe next week or something. But one thing that I will say before I get to my actual pick, I was looking through League of Comic Geeks to see what I wanted to talk about. Maybe I'll grab something off the top of my pile that's sitting on my desk, like B Stars Volume Four or Three or Destroy All Monsters. I'll actually finally sit down and read that. No 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 no. I thought let's read what is this shrek number one no it's it's not shrek number one shrek number one is not coming out this week it's a book called shriek from fan fantico enterprise i don't know what it is it looks bizarre um the cover has a domino eye person i i don't know um but i thought it said shrek and i got very confused (laughs) but it's not that uh the book i am excited about this week that i'm going to pick up um i saw this randomly i was like this is a weird looking book uh it's called girl scouts g-r-r-l scouts stone ghost number one this is by jim mafood um it looks bonkers i i feel like i've read something by uh jim mafood before but i don't know what um i did a quick skim of his comiXology and couldn't find anything so Looking at his previous work, though, he's done previous Girl Scout books, um, and it looks bonkers. It looks like street art plastered into a comic book um, in the best of ways. The insanity of like Bill Senkevich or or Rod Reese or uh, you know these these create these artists that do these extremely out there portraits stuff like uh, the guy that did uh, Co- uh, Contra, not Contra. He did the, that's Image series. Copra, um, Copra thank you, um, Michael Fief. Michael Fee, thank you. Or Fife, I don't know how you say his name. Either way, um, it looks like that style of art, and it's just, it's just really, really out there. And uh, yeah, I said Contra. Thank you for the gift, Danny. I appreciate that. Uh, it's a nice little Contra gift in the chat right now. Um, but yeah, I don't know what this is. It looks like an absolute trip. So I figured let's try it. Let's see what kind of wild shit we can get into because sometimes you got to give a comic a shot. And this looks like it's, it's going to be something very, very, very interesting. So that's on the top of my pile for this week. But let's take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we're going to be talking about a book that has been I've read at least three or four times now, and I'm very excited to have like a dedicated discussion for it. Hedra by Jesse Lonergan. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about that. week on i read comic books we are talking about hedra by jesse lonergan a one-shot zero dialogue comic about traveling through space i want to say spoiler warning for this entire little one shot if you haven't read it you should hit pause go read it it's a pretty quick read and then come back and listen to the rest of this episode i guess to get things started uh nick can you tell us a little bit about what this book is um full spoilers of course you know just what's the summary of this book like what I what I think this book was, yeah, I yes. think that's yeah, probably the best that. way of putting it. Um, sure. So it is a story that appears to be taking place on Earth. I don't know if that is one hundred percent spelled out, and that it's not a galaxy far, far away. But that's the assumption I went with. Maybe that's me and my Earth centric bias, but uh, we can unpackage that later. Sure. Uh, and. Earth appears to be plagued with a all-out nuclear war. Um, this is followed by Earth being devastated, and there's a attempt to find a new place to live or find a way to restore Earth. A lottery is drawn as to who will go on this mission, and that is how we get our protagonist, who uh, is then sent out uh, to find other habitable planets or you know places supporting uh flora and fauna and whatnot and we see her sort of travel around the galaxy uh during which she runs into this other spacefaring individual who kind of to me is like a mechanical flash meets silver surfer but mm-hmm. we can discuss that uh later and they sort of have these crisscrossing paths uh that end up on this planet uh, where there's sort of this struggle for survival against these creatures, the sort of, you know, populace of this planet. And our two heroes are sort of pitted against the dangers of this, uh, you know, just the natural ecological dangers of this planet, as well as these uh, inhabitants that uh, seem to uh, want them dead. And they both escape. We end up on what appears to be this other person's home planet. 
Uh, things get really weird and confusing at that point, and we can unpackage that shortly. And then our protagonist returns home, seemingly with abilities that might restore Earth in some way. And that's mm-hmm. the very, very short version. Sure. I mean, lot, lots to unpack yes. here, I guess, is, is the yeah. summary. Yeah, I mean... This is the this is a really interesting book, if only because I remember when it came out, it was getting a lot of praise because of just the the way that I think Lonergan approached everything in this book. Like there's no like all of the rules that you have for panel layout and how, how you follow panels and mm-hmm. story structure um, are extremely are aren't necessarily broken, but they're extremely unique in this story because I think using the art he drives the direction in which you need to read versus the way that we naturally read, right? Which is top to bottom, left to right. Um, And there's a lot of, you know, comic rules that I think we as comic book readers kind of understand that like there's a big panel next to two smaller panels. You read the big panel first, then top to bottom. And, you know, you all run into all sorts of crazy configurations. And I think the, the thing that always that floors me about reading this book is that he, he, says you know what to hell with all of that i'm going to show you where your eye should go with the art um i i really love that i don't know kate what, what were your initial thoughts of this book i really like that too that was one of the things that stood out to me um first and one thing i didn't think about um while reading it i was reading it in digital on hoopla but i was reading full pages and mm-hmm. i now want to go back and look at how this reads in guided view because danny mentioned that in the chat I'm like, oh, that Mm -hmm. is interesting. Mm -hmm. That would definitely change the feel of this book quite a lot, I think. But I liked that difference. I did like that it was like all the geometric shapes like that worked really well with the line work and the simple color palette. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, honestly, like the moral of the story is probably about invasive species spreading really quickly. When she comes back to Earth, (laughs) like ecological contamination is not a joke, Jim. Like this is... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably i don't know that we're restoring earth so much as contaminating it oh boy um, Kate. so we got different experiences maybe and messages out of this book but no i i have so many questions left after reading this and i i both like and don't like that and so this was different and I'd, i i want to know what you guys think about like would it have been improved by text at all to like clarify some of that like that end scene like what oh. exactly is happening oh boy the other yeah. thing I was thinking was like you could actually clarify so much of this if you had like a five or ten minute like soundtrack that was like free on Spotify that you're supposed to play with it like that syncs mm, up to the reading. I like that because yeah. the emotional tone of that. But it, the other thing is like, man, if music emotional tone could clarify things, then color really could have too, and didn't in some of these scenes. So it seems like maybe that's on purpose. Interesting. Wow, I that 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 is a totally different take than what I I pulled away from this book. I I was maybe maybe I'm just influenced by the hype, right? Um because I remember hearing a lot about this book at the time, but I I've, you know, gone back to read this now um two other times before today and um just to experience it and look at like the way that I think Lonergan like uses shapes and he uses like arcs, I guess, mm-hmm. to try to like show you action but also draw your eye to different things i mean there's you know i, I would highly recommend elsa chartier's uh, youtube channel if you're interested in like how art draws or how art determines the direction in which you read things um she does a fantastic breakdown of a bunch of different pages about how artists take unconventional page layouts and still get you to follow the action yeah. in the story um like she did a wonderful breakdown of a hawkeye page about that so your like eyes following the movement and flow of the lines exactly exactly yeah. and, uh, there was a moment where like the 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 robot person and the the woman in the in the spacesuit are kind of bouncing in different directions and you follow the arcs of the paths that they follow in order to like drive you through the page, but it takes you in like a Z configuration on one of the pages. And I feel like that, like, or like a, a, excuse me, a backwards Z on one of the pages. And it, that's like a non-standard Western way of reading a comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that to be, I found that to be really interesting that like, I didn't find that unnatural to read it because the panels were laid out in such a way that it forced me to continue reading like that. And of course I'm sitting here looking at like, everything that's happening and and 
questioning like do i am i following what's going on do i actually get the the gist of things but i think with a book like this you know um i guess to answer your question kate you know adding text to it i think would maybe over explain some of the yeah. subtlety that i think lonergan was going for things are intentionally ambiguous to try to give you the reader a chance to participate in the storytelling um in some ways. So I don't know. I, 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 as much as it would have been nice to have that explanation, sometimes, you know, that vagueness is intentional because mm-hmm. then you run into the problem of like, how do we explain all these aliens with the different, you know, shapes and stuff that they're associated with? You know, like there's a lot of places to expand upon. And without that, it's like you just kind of got to roll with it. And this is the story that you get. Totally. I like the way that the abnormal shape panels, like you're not just, it's moving you through the story, but it's also moving you through like physical space. So we see them like moving through the tunnels at one point. Oh, Oh, that's so cool. But then also moving through time often, like when she's going from planet to planet. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then also zooming in and out between like the planet and the ground and showing different like aspects and range that are being moved through with the use of the panels it's all over the place and also just really works at yeah. least for me yeah yeah no i nick what, what did you what was your take on on some of this like strange page layout stuff yeah i i think what i really enjoy about this work is that there are a lot of indie comics out there that are like i'm gonna be hashtag experimental and everything is going to be unconventional and maybe you won't quite figure out what you're supposed to do in terms of navigating the page but maybe that's part of man's eternal struggle across the ages and maybe you (laughs) just don't get it and maybe it's and this is my favorite phrase quote unquote not for you because that's a good one that people like to hear you might as well tell them to calm down right yeah what i like about this work is that i think Lonergan understands that writing is, and maybe this is a harsh word for people here, but prose in comics is a crutch. Yeah. I I don't mean that pejoratively, but I do mean that bluntly. It's a crutch which people rely on. And I think that this book isn't deliberately trying to sort of obfuscate or like shatter the perceptions of how to like lay out or navigate a page. But I think... I think Lonergan understands that there's a a level of precision that's required when you aren't using prose and you have to be, there's a level of needing to be deliberate with everything that you do. And I think that he executes on that level. I absolutely love when you have like, I think we talked about the caverns and you can see with some of the caverns that the, um, the corners of some of the panels are sort of rounded to, you know, give you this net, you know, weaving and claustrophobic, you know, cavern that you have to navigate. It almost reminds me Mm -hmm. of God. If you've played Bioshock, there's like a mini game where like the liquid is flowing through this pattern and you have these different pieces of pipe in different shapes. You have to create like a circuit from one spot to another with these different pieces of pipe in different shapes so that the liquid can flow from like A to B pipe dream it's 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 basically they stole pipe dream exactly yeah and like when i saw those panels like i thought of pipe dream like that's immediately what i thought of you've got these differently shaped pieces of pipe that sort of weave throughout the page and and Mm -hmm. i felt there was a really good guiding hand to to sort of navigating throughout the page i really enjoyed it yeah i mean and it's, it's nice to see a book like this come out from Image. I remember like Image really toted themselves and pat themselves on the back. They're like, <laughs> hey, we're putting out an experimental yeah. space comic yeah. book that's very similar to Moebius and 2001 A Space Odyssey. And it's like, good. I'm glad that a book like this is able to survive and be pushed by something like Image. When I feel like a comic like this, usually you see coming from like a fanographics or a drawn and quarterly mm-hmm. where it's it's really really out there and it's maybe not for everyone or and it's it's someone really trying to publish like an independent book and i know the image is completely independent and all that other stuff but uh i feel like they don't like to take risks on books like this that are kind of out there that are really not necessarily going to be like up everyone's alley um but i think that a bo- this book accomplishes what it was trying to do i think like you know we, we've talked in the in the break about how there's a lot of ambiguity and nick in your summary it's even a question of like what actually was being done here what was being said and i think that to me i find that to be like a, a highlight of the book maybe that's not the average you know comic book readers uh take on this kind of thing but and and i think that that's totally fine because 
you know, I think we as people who have read a lot of comic books are always looking for something new and experience, maybe something that is, is going to maybe test us a little bit, whereas other people are just looking for a straightforward story. I, I personally think that all things considered, this book gets you from point A to point B mm-hmm. and with some vagueness there. But I think that when you take on a sci-fi story and you're trying to tell it in a one shot, you kind of have to deal with a lot of ambiguous stuff in order to get to the main point of the story, right? right? You know. Earth is dying. This astronaut is sent out into space to try to find a way to solve it. She comes across this android man and he gives her the ability to fare this or travel through the stars without a ship and also bestow her gift back on the planet that she came from. Okay, hold on. Now we're we're hitting on the most uh, the biggest question I was left with with this is like, okay, okay, do you think the beings she meets at the and the towards end are that are each under a different shape are the different shapes supposed to represent different species and the empty Mm. one is given to humans or is she transformed into their species and that's why she can travel through space and stuff like that like i think like maybe like humanity's not safe she's no longer human and now she's turning the planet into their kind of world you know what i mean like with their plants and like yes I hundred percent, hundred percent hear what you're saying with this because it, it definitely there's a moment where she like shakes the the robot or the android mm-hmm. man's hand or whatever he is, and she has a look of shock on her face as this there and it's a beautiful panel of like this rings around her and this guy's arm and she's kind of pulling back, and then they all it does a focus on everybody's arm, and each of them have this thing on them right. I took that as they transformed her or part of her yeah. in order to give her this power that they all have. Is she still human? Is she one of them? Is I mean, she that's dancer? Definitely a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, but I think at the end, it's like it's like the end of Wally. You know, where like they come back and they yeah. need to just take care of this planet no matter what happened to it. Like it's a wasteland without it. So as far as you know, your point about invasive species, like I took it to be a positive thing. <laughs> Of I some mean, of us like baby. zebra mussels, yeah, yeah. and sea lamprey, like, yeah. I thought there was a really interesting thing that they did with the shapes of it, the sides of each of yeah. the the, the you, polyhedrons that they were yeah. all having. Like hers is a five sided shape that results in what we nerds know as a d twelve. Yep. Um, <laughs> I just I like that when she, and then when she planted the, the the flowers on her planet, they turned into these flowers that had the five sided shape on them. Yep. It, what what that means, I don't know, but I saw it as like she's saving humanity after sacrificing herself to in order to do so, sort sacrificing as in changing herself in order to do so. Um, for the betterment of the planet. But Could be. I mean, knows? parts of it were simpler. Like, it doesn't matter where in the galaxy you are. Lilliputians suck, and they will try and rip you apart. So, like, that okay. part was clear. And so uh-huh. it was interesting. I was trying to think about, like, what was the point of including them in mm. the story? Like, what what are they meant to represent in a sense of, like, maybe are they there to show that the other guys are the good guys versus the bad guys? Like, would you have been understood that these beings are good if not for seeing the, like, bad little gremlins trying to tear their hearts out? Yeah. And, sorry, I you said a word that I wasn't familiar with. Lilliputian? Yeah. Oh, Gulliver's from, Travels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, this is me. I'm very uncultured. I don't know anything. Um. Yeah, so... I got the Gulliver's Travel. I did a quick Google search. I got it. Now. Oh, just no, like, I'm sorry. No, no, don't apologize. This is on me. Yeah, that's it's it's interesting. I mean, yes, they they were shown to be like these savage people that were you know trying to just take apart this this android man, um, which was interesting. I mean, I think a story like this kind of needs an antagonist. I mean, yeah. that's actually not true. This story doesn't need an antagonist. That's what I was thinking. Is like the the ultimate story about her like finding help to save humanity and the planet and start yeah. restoring it doesn't actually need these little gremlin guys uh yeah, yeah. so why are they there i think they're there to be bad to then have contrast to show that the other guy is good right like yeah, yeah. i i just saw it as the idea that conflict brings people together and that the conflict with go. these creatures is what brings our two protagonists together a little bit closer you do need an other to be united against is i think what the moral of the story is i mean, or, I mean alt- alternatively i could have seen this exact same story playing out the same way you get rid of the little uh, gremlin dudes and instead replace it with a misunderstanding of what the robot guy's doing versus what she's trying to do she's mm-hmm. trying to save 
save her planet by exploring to find something that can save it. He's out there trying to find a new member of his Power Rangers team. There yeah. You, you know, you th- she misunderstands yep. him following her around as like, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to do this thing. And again, you don't even need dialogue for this. You can do this in like a cartoony style action beat him up where she's running away and he's chasing after her and like she knocks him off on another planet and then he comes back. He's like, hey, I'm not actually trying to hurt you. You know, you could, you know, misunderstanding could have also been the cl- conflict of this right. story, but then we'd just be watching Arrested Development and there you go. Um, that's mm-hmm. a whole other a whole other thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I think like there's a lot of ways you could have approached this a story like this to add conflict to it in order for them to eventually be driven together as maybe the Android shows, oh no, this is how I help you. Um, this is how I help your people. Because at the end of the day, I think that they, that group of shape wielders, that's what I'm going to call them, I guess. Ooh, okay. They were out trying to fix problems in the cosmos. I think that that's what their goal was. See, but, you I, know. I had a completely different take on that, Michael. Oh, uh, okay. So if you look at this geometry, which clearly Mr. Lonergan has played a lot of Monument Valley, I think, mm-hmm. and he just can't, he can't shake this game because it's all about sacred geometry. <laughs> when you look at those dice, there's a one person is clearly a D4, there's a D6, there's a D8, there's a D20. The D12 is missing. And I think basically what that means is that our Silver Surfer character is traveling the galaxy because no one in the group wants to be the barbarian. And so he's just oh desperately God. trying All right. to f- All right. He's trying to fill out that role because no one has the requisite rage needed. Uh-huh, and, uh, uh-huh. you know, because ha- I mean, how many people have even seen a D12 really like does I think most people's D12 just collects dust. So maybe he was just trying to find someone. Um, but sure. Unless sure. you're playing seven C's, in which case that's all you need is just billions right. of D12s. Right. This is now a D&D podcast. It is. Too bad. Um, no, I, it, it's interesting. I, I feel like there's, you know, still a lot of questions to be asked. But I mean, the ultimate goal of the story still being that our astronaut was trying to save her planet. Um, and I think we get there. It, there's a lot of questions about what are these other planets? How do you travel? Like, what are, what were these android dice wielders actually doing or shape holders whatever i called them before well it does seem like there was a possibility there that she could have been completely transformed because you notice that one of her arms changes to look like theirs but if you look right. at the rest of them all of them i think including like their neck including both of their arms including both of their legs all have this sort of texture or look and it looks like she stops or disrupts or interrupts this process yeah, by pulling back yeah before yeah. she becomes totally and thoroughly whatever they are Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i think that that's you know that's interesting and she takes something away from that but yeah i guess um i don't know this story it's 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 simple i think on the face Mm -hmm. um i think the impressive part about this book overall is personally it's the art um, but I don't know. Did you guys have any any other thoughts on this? I mean, I realize like it's the, not a huge the art story. as opposed to the dialogue. Yes, that, I also <laughs> well, preferred it. <laughs> well, sorry, the art instead sparse. of the story. Yeah. The story, you know, is a whole other thing that doesn't need dialogue to be told. Um, but I think Lonergan's, I guess, maybe panel layout and page layout and in t- intense or excuse me, in intentional decisions to lay things out in a way that allows shapes to de- describe action and sequences rather than just like having a panel, like after panel after panel, where it's just like action sequence, action sequence, action sequence. Instead, it's like the layout of the page also dictates the action of what's happening on the page. Again, with the the semicircle, like there's an action scene where they're the, both the android man and the woman are swiping and like the, their half circles kind of dictate where your eye should follow as their swords are being struck downward to get you to the next panel where someone is striking in a different direction and it gets you to the next panel i just like found many many examples of that throughout this whole book of like Mm -hmm. different arcs and different arrows and things um not not done in a lazy way but done in an intentional design way that when you step back from the page it looks really cool but then when you zoom in to actually read it and you know try to turn it into part of the story that you're trying to understand you see that those shapes help you follow um action and different things um and i i can keep repeating that idea over and over but i think like Lonergan spent must have spent a lot of time on page layouts like Danny in the chat posted this two page spread of when the Android man is in a large size and he's he's being like walked over by the what do you call them? Lilliputians. Right. Um, <laughs> we can call them uh, gremlins. And, it's OK. Little gremlins. And um, 
there's this drill that's pulling a piece out of his body and like the panels get bigger and bigger as the drill is going upwards to show like this action of movement. Now you could have done that all with same size panels to show the lifting momentum, but like they didn't. And I thought that, you know, things like that are really, really clever to show growth, not just in the actual visuals inside the panel, but the panel itself. Stuff like that just really blows my mind. Like you're thinking beyond just the story that you're trying to tell and you're actually trying to use the medium to enhance what's happening on the page. Um, and that's why I think a lot of this book is really impressive to me. The the line work and panel design for me is the best. I think if I was going to change, like if you're like gun to your head, change something, I would have changed the color work uh, some in the color palette. I didn't know that that... Sure. It didn't harm it for me, but I think some of this could have been even cooler uh, with more and different color. Mm -hmm. But also, like, obviously not an artist, not an art pro, could be totally wrong. The thing that I took away from this the most, honestly, was thinking, like, how much I would love, love to see, like, a totally wordless comic like this, like a one-shot for a hero like Batman. Like, Batman gets too close to an explosion and is deaf for a one-shot. Sure, And sure. now we see him running around doing all this stuff with no words. I think it could be so cool um, because I think it would help. And I think the reason I got so stuck on that idea is, like, I think it would help to have the world already established for some of the vagaries that made me not care as much or left me more confused after this one. Even though I realize a lot of that is the point. You're talking about like personal, getting into personal preference, right? Of like, I would sure. rather see this for something that I already understand the world and character. And now I'm seeing all of this uh, play out mm -hmm. with them. But um, I hope this becomes like more of a thing because I would love to see experimentation like that with some of the existing properties out there. Yeah. I, I, and I, you know, I think that, by no means do I think that this this silent comic is is a new idea. I mean, I remember when I read there was an X-Men book that Chris Claremont did back during his extreme X-Men run mm -hmm. that came out. And it's a silent issue. And I remember just being floored by it, like getting through the issue and going, holy shit, there was no dialogue in there. And I, I think these types of things exist. But yeah, I totally agree with your point, Kate. It's to introduce someone to this kind of concept with a property that they know mm -hmm. so that there's not a lot of these like questions that kind of can can stifle your reading experience if you're if you maybe didn't understand maybe what the artist was intending but instead with a batman book or an x-men book or superman or whatever like you understand 90 percent of the world like it's just the dialogue that normally informs you but instead getting rid of that and letting the story and the art play out i think is yeah. gonna it's really interesting and if i'm not mistaken i think cy spurrier is putting out a series pretty soon like a mini series from image that's a, a completely silent series like him and a handful of artists or something i don't remember exactly um i'm sure someone out there is telling me that i'm getting things wrong and screaming into their their car speakers right now but i know that there's a series coming out very soon that's going to be all silent stuff um so if you're curious i know that that's coming down the pipeline but yeah i i i guess the last thing i'll say is you know overall i guess the final question here is would you would did you guys like this book would you recommend it to anybody i mean yeah i i would recommend it i i think it's interesting especially as a contrast if you also read is it planet paradise or paradise planet one of the two mm -hmm. danny's completely right there are two new 52 there was also one for the dark knight series uh, I think mm, drawn mm. by Ponticelli, which also was textless or nearly textless. Yeah. So those yeah. issues do exist. Um, cool. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. I do think that it's interesting that Lonergan also drew another sci-fi book for Image Comics in 2020 uh, that also revolves around the protagonist being uh, stuck or stranded on a inhospitable planet. So it's interesting to see, to put this book alongside that because that, that book is not textless. Uh, that mm -hmm. book does have dialogue. I thoroughly like that book too. I've enjoyed that as well. Beyond that, I would recommend it. And I would say to anyone who's maybe looking at this book, who maybe is flipping through the first initial pages, uh, I'll admit when I was starting it immediately, I was like, okay, this is an indie book. Uh, we're starting with like a 16 panel grid. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> what can I what can I do with the grid? And I'm like, oh, I'm so over the grid at this point. <laughs> like, sorry, Tron. Yeah. yeah. And, sorry, Tom King. And then you sort of see the idea that like he goes from the grid being this kind of like scientific backdrop 
where the rocket is launching and then the explosion happens and it, you know, continually shatters the grid. And there's another point uh, where the protagonist like finds that crystal sword and she throws it to cut the rope. And Mm -hmm. as the sword is thrown across the grid, it sort of cuts through the grid um, and sort of like, yeah, it's just sort of cuts through the grid as it gets to the rope. And yeah, so there's grid stuff going on here, but Lonergan seems to be playing with that. And there's not either this obsession with being locked into the grid or this like veneration to the grid, which uh, God only knows we don't, we don't fucking need. I'm sure I'm so, I'm so over it. So, so a summary, I I would recommend it. And if you, that's (laughs) it, I would recommend it. And if you're reading the initial pages and you're seeing this and you're going, how pretentious is this book going to be? Uh, It's not, it's not sure. Sure. Cool. Uh, Kate, what about you? Uh, What are your final thoughts on this? Would you recommend it? Did you like it? And it's okay if you didn't. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. It is such a quick read. It's hard to say no to recommending it to someone. Um, If you have five minutes while you're waiting in line, you could read this, you know. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, I think just for the line work alone, I would recommend it. Because I think um, for all the reasons we talked about in terms of how it used to guide your eye i think it's just a really interesting piece and obviously plenty to talk about um there absolutely yeah i'm i'm in the same boat i i grabbed the digital copy of this and then immediately went on ebay to try to find a physical copy because everywhere else was sold out so like i'm a big fan of this book and like the extra wide page size in the print edition is very very nice yeah definitely recommend this to folks and uh, i think it's it's a it's an interesting thing to kind of maybe break the monotony, quote unquote, monotony of uh, every every week comics that you may be picking up that are just full of so much bullshit text. You know, uh, I can't <laughs> believe books, comic books are filled with so much text. Um, no, it's it's interesting. So I uh, yeah, definitely dig it. So make sure everybody goes out there and reads Hedra. I think we're going to wrap things up here. Um, remember, next week's episode is going to be Paul and our special guest, Gabe Chen. We're going to be talking about how we hoist comics from our backlogs, how we make the decision, all of that stuff. Basically, what's going to convince me to actually start that East of West run um, <laughs> that, I'm gonna, that I've been meaning to reread for literally two years. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. You can re- follow Nick at Death Star Plans. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok uh, at IRCB Podcast. We're all over that business. Um, please make sure to like all of our TikToks. We need it. We desperately need it. This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. You can join today for exclusive series like IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. You can join now at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Five stars would be fantastic. On Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, it really helps us spread the word about IRCB. Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more and listen to our episodes live as we record. Check the link in the show notes. It will help us a lot if you tell your friends or your local comic shop about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander is a very cool guy who makes us sound extra cool every single week. I want to say thank you to Danny for hanging out with us in the chat live as we recorded today. Thank you to Kate and Nick for being on this episode and reading through Hedger with me. Uh, Thanks to everyone out there who subscribes to our Patreon and all you folks who listen to the show. We love you to death. Until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Comics are good.